Welcome to another episode of the Father Ted Talk, broadcast here at the National Shrine of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton in Emmitsburg, Maryland. We are now offering virtual tours to celebrate the 200th anniversary of Mother Seton's death. These half-hour tours bring you within the home of a saint, and you can visit from the safety of your own home. Learn more at setonshrine.org slash virtual tours. Now here's Father Ted. In the second reading, we heard Paul talking to the Corinthians about immorality. And specifically, he's talking about sexual immorality, as we know from the Greek word porneia that he uses to describe this kind of immorality. And it was something very necessary for Paul to address because Corinth, this rich cosmopolitan port town, was known for its promiscuity. And its promiscuous behavior was justified in in a great way by the prevailing mentality of the Corinthians. Because they were living in a Greek culture that tended to look down upon the body, to despise the body, to see the soul as the person and the body as just something attached to the soul. So there were some phrases, some proverbs such as, the body is a tomb. Or again, they thought that the soul was like this spirit trapped inside a machine. There's one philosopher who said, I am shackled to a corpse, talking about his own body. And so as a practical result, if the body is unimportant, if the body means nothing, if the body is just a piece of matter thrown together haphazardly, you can do whatever you want with it. It doesn't matter how you treat your body or what you do with it. And so the Corinthians argued that if you're allowed to satisfy the desire for food when you want, you know, you're hungry and there's nothing sinful about eating when you're hungry, why can't you do the same with the sexual impulse? So Paul is trying to correct that perspective. And he does so by using a a theological argument that might be a little bit difficult to understand if we were just to listen, or even if we were to read the text by itself. Paul begins by telling the Corinthians that their bodies are united to Christ. By baptism, a believer's soul and their body are taken up and they form a member, they become a member of the body of Christ. So it's not just their souls. Spouses are physically united to each other by marital relations. Believers, Christians, are united to Christ physically through sacraments, which are tangible realities. And this means, and this is the second point we can say of his argument, our bodies are united to Christ, and as a result of that, our bodies are consecrated to Christ. They belong to Him. They're almost as if they're His. So in the same way that in a marriage, the wife's body is the husband's, and the husband's body is the wife's. They belong to each other in that sense. So too, the believer's body belongs to Christ, which is what the Catechism says. United with Christ by baptism, the believer's body and soul 
already participate in the dignity of the resurrection. Now the argument proceeds where your body is united to Christ and that means your body belongs to him. And then the third point is whenever you have relations with somebody, you become one entity with that other person. You are united. There's a one flesh result. So, we are Christ's body and soul. He has rights, we can say, over our body. But whenever we join ourselves to somebody else, we are making ourselves one with that other person. But we don't have a right to do that after we've been baptized. As unthinkable it is for a man or a woman who is married to give their body to somebody to whom they are not married, so also it is unthinkable that a Christian who is one with Christ form a union with somebody else. In this way, promiscuity is the same as adultery. It's a violation of the covenant that we have established with Christ the day of our baptism. And so, that's something very serious. And that's why Paul, four verses earlier, four verses before our second reading, he said, people who engage in these activities, they are excluded from the kingdom of heaven. They are detaching themselves, they are separating themselves from the union with Christ to unite themselves to somebody else. Now, of course, this is not the case in matrimony where Christ is, in a sense, involved in that union between husband and wife. We're talking here about detaching ourselves with Christ when we unite ourselves to, to somebody to whom we are not married legitimately. And so Paul is reminding the Corinthians of just how serious the sexual sins are by telling them that Christ, Christ's spousal rights over the body is being violated when they are engaged in sexual impurity. Because contrary to the prevailing mentality of his day, the body is part of the person. It's not just stuck to the person for the time being. We are human beings, body and soul. Now the trouble is that our bodies and our souls are very often at odds with each other. And we see that in today's culture, where very often we tend to relive this pagan mentality where today's individuals think that they can do whatever they want with their bodies. And so this is something which is really prevalent in the hookup culture amongst in college campuses and amongst young urban professionals, where according to this mentality, whenever you are attracted to somebody, you, are, you can feel free to sleep with that person. But this treats sexuality like a biological process exclusively that has nothing to do with the individual. It forgets that sexuality has a binding and sacred effect. And the inevitable separation that takes place after joining yourself to somebody who is not your legitimate spouse is always going to be damaging and painful, both physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And this separation, this pagan mentality that our bodies have nothing to do with our souls, it also comes up in one of today's most lucrative businesses and prevalent sins, pornography. Where pornography treats human beings as if they were objects, things, to be consumed and enjoyed. 
but you can't treat another human being like a thing without suffering consequences yourself and doing damage to the other person as well. Now, good Lord willing, most of us here, we agree that these things should not be done. We don't want to engage in these. We, we respect the commandments. We realize there are certain acts that are, you know, not good for us. But the trouble is, we often struggle to actually do that. Like our Lord told us, the, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so how do we go about resisting these sins? What do we actually do in order to not fall into that trap? And St. Paul gives us the answer. In today's second reading, we heard him say, avoid immorality. And there's another English translation that says, shun fornication. Now those are both very weak translations because the original Greek there, fugo, it doesn't mean avoid. It means flee. It means run in the opposite direction. So St. Paul is not saying, well, do what you can to not, like, you know, interact with this thing. He's saying run for your life from this temptation. We should need to perform a very intense action in order to escape. And this is what the saints are always recommending. So St. Thomas Aquinas, sometimes people hear the word, the name Thomas Aquinas, and they think very sublime theology that they're never going to be able to comprehend. But he's also got some very down-to-earth wisdom. He says, one does not win by putting up resistance because the more one thinks about the thing, the more influenced by it one becomes. One wins by fleeing. That is, by avoiding unclean thoughts completely and by avoiding all occasions of sin. And St. John Marie Vianney told his parish to flee from anything that could tempt them to sin. But St. John, um, not St. John, St. Philip Neri had the most pithy way of expressing the same mentality. He said, Vince chi fuge. He conquers who flees. He who flees conquers. And this is something which is just logical. It makes sense. You know, if you don't want to get burned by fire, you don't play with fire. If you don't want to break your diet, you don't walk into the bakery. If you don't want to get bit by the lion, you don't walk into the lion's den. I remember there was one time my family was making a road trip from California to Chicago, and I was about seven years old at the time, and between California and Chicago, you have the Grand Canyon, and so we decided to stop by the Grand Canyon. And being a typical seven-year-old with a brother that was just two years older than me, we were always fighting, and so at one of those stops, we got at it, and we decided to wrestle on the edge of one of those scenic outlooks. And of course, my parents weren't exactly excited about this, and they broke it up very quickly. And of course they did. You know, maybe nothing would have happened. Maybe we would have been fine. Maybe we wouldn't have tumbled over the edge. Maybe we would have only fallen 20 feet onto a ledge or something. But you don't put yourself in those situations which, is, which are potentially going to destroy your physical well-being. And in the same way, you don't put yourself in those situations which are going to potentially destroy your union with Jesus Christ. If we want to avoid serious sins, we have to avoid the occasions of serious sins those times, those places, those devices, those persons, even those moods, we have to be aware of the emotional state, and we have to take preventive measures. 
you should not tempt God by putting yourself into a near occasion of sin. And why do we go through all this effort? This is the final point. Why are we making such a big deal about staying pure, about avoiding these sins? Again, Paul gives us the reason. You are not your own. You have been purchased at a price. And the price that was paid for us is nothing less than the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. So our bodies are not ours to do with as we please. Just as we would take greater care of something which belongs to somebody else, we borrow somebody's car, we're super careful with it, so too with our bodies, which are his, which he has purchased from, this, from Satan, we need to be careful with them as well. Because remember, our bodies are his. But the flip side of the coin is that his body is ours. He already gave it to us on Calvary, and he continues to give it to us in Holy Communion. And so let us turn to the Blessed Virgin Mary, who we always call perpetually virgin, and ask her to pray for us, that we might obtain that grace of purity. And may this union, this sacramental union with Jesus' body and blood, give us that strength to live out our baptismal promises.